Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of our weekly Exploring the Parsha class with Rabbi Rebecca Schatz and Rabbi Matt Shapiro. Hello, everybody. Um, this is Rabbi Schatz and Rabbi Matt Shapiro. Hello. And we are basically re-recording. Um, why, our, are we, why are we re-recording, Rabbi Schatz? Our last Parsha class for Vezot HaBracha. And the reason we are re-recording is because this past week when we did the class <laughs> hybrid, um, we were not able to record it in such a way that you could hear... The teaching and all the students, so it was really nice to have people in person. Okay, Rabbi Schatz is not giving the fun version of this story. The fun version of this story is slightly longer, but worth the journey. Here's what happened. We wanted to give some of our students the ability to show up in person for the last class. Which to we do did, a seum. To do a seum, to wrap things up, which, which, we, which we had and was lovely. In order to make that happen, we met on the roof of the Pressman Academy building. Now... We also wanted to be able to live stream it to our faithful students who were not able to join it in person. Zoom it, he means. And so we, therefore, because it was Zoom, we were trying to use a... Zoom bot. A Zoom bot. That's right. There was, however, one problem with the Zoom bot, which is not what you might be picturing, which is like a robot that uses Zoom. It's literally just a screen with a teeny <laughs> tiny CPU. It was not as exciting as I thought it might be. There was only one problem with the Zoom bot is that it did not have Zoom <laughs> properly installed, really just making it a bot. Okay. So uh, Rabbi Schatz, as I was getting the class underway, both on her phone and with our students <laughs> in person, Rabbi Schatz spent approximately, this is not an exaggeration, 13 or 14 minutes trying to get the Zoom bot to work. And then... She did not. Rabbi Sh- this is the first time over the course of the whole pandemic that Rabbi Rebecca Schatz was not able to make Zoom work. Zoom work. True. And she said, you know what? This isn't going to work. We're going to do it over the phone and with our, our students here in person. And she hunkered down to, to teach with me, which, which takes a lot of effort to be able to, to try to ring me in, as we all know. And about 30 seconds later... What happened? The fire alarm went the off. The fire alarm went off. <laughs> Therefore, making it very difficult to continue with our class, we evacuated the roof, we went back upstairs, and that's all before we even factor in the fact that the sound quality was terrible because we were on the roof and trying to all talk together. That recording does exist, and like many great works of art, will be hidden for generations, never to be discovered. Mm-hmm. So since we don't have that, we are offering up this not quite as entertaining, but mildly more coherent podcast as we look to conclude the reading of the Torah with Parshat. Vizotabracha. Okay, so we are looking at chapter 34, um, the last three verses of the entire Torah. So verses 10 through 12. And because we don't have our whole class here right now, uh, we will go through the verses, and then maybe we'll try to think of some of the kushiot that, that the students thought of. Can I um, make a noise like a fire alarm halfway through? No. Okay. And uh, and then we'll go into some commentaries, and we will... Um, we will wrap up the Torah with hopefully some wrap some up more. the Torah. Oh, very good. Yeah. Wrap up because the Torah get, because the gets Torah wrapped. Get, gets wrapped. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Rabbi with Shira, a do you du- with a W. Do you want to show Not the an R. share? I mean the verses. 
show them. Thank you. Rabbi Schmidt is now showing you the verses. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, verse 10. Velo kam navi od bi Yisrael Never again did there arise a prophet like Moses in Israel. Asher yida'o Adonai. Um, who God, it says here in the translation, who God singled out, but Yada is, is no, who God knew. Intimately no. Intimately knew. Panim el panim, face to face. Lechol haotot vehamovtim, according to all the signs and wonders, asher shalacho adonai lasot beret mitraim, doing all the signs and wonders that God sent him to do in the land of Egypt, lefaro, lechol abadab, lechol artsot pharaoh, and to all of pharaoh's Servants, which I, I, interesting to note that at that time, the Jews were also Pharaoh's Abadim, mm-hmm. but probably not what that's referring to. Pharaoh's, uh, courtiers, as it's translated here, and all of his land. And the last verse of the Torah, Hayada Hamora Hagadol, and for all of the strong hand and the, uh, it says here awesome power, but more like related to Yirah, like fear, um, and awe, so all of that great fear and awe. Asher asa Moshe le'ene kol Yisrael. Chazak, chazak. Chazak, v'ni chazak. There you go. Very good. Um, that Moses uh, did before the eyes of all of Israel. Shabbat shalom. So, um, Again, we're not going to go over Kushiot, but some of the questions that were that were asked throughout the class, though, I, um, as Rav Shavir just mentioned, I wasn't paying as much attention at this point um, of the class. I was trying to understand why a Zoom bot might not have Zoom. Um, just a bot. But <laughs> but uh, some of the questions that came up were things such as like, what does it mean for for um, there never to have been again a prophet like Moshe, right? What yeah. does it mean that Moshe was really the only one? What does that say about all the other prophets <laughs> that come later in Nevi'im, for example? Um, and how were they different? Was it truly that you know intimate knowing that Yad O Adonai Panim Panim that was different? Um, for those of us who who read further into Nevi'im, we obviously do know that that is partially what was different. Um, the Nevi'im that we read about in uh, Tanakh did not have that face-to-face interaction with God. God became more of how we experience God today, which is uh, not the anthropomorphized uh, uh, being, but but rather a spirit, something that we pray to, a feeling, an encounter, those kinds of experiences um, for, our, for, for most of our prophets in Nevi'im. So that was one kushia. I don't know if you remember other kushia. That was a well, big one. That was asked. That was a big times. one. There's a lot. Of, well, there was a question: Is the lokam like? Is it that there there will not or there had not? Right, read? right. There were comments about like how does the Torah know if uh-huh. it's being written right. when it was written? How does the Torah know three thousand right. years ago that there will not be a prophet like Moshe? So right, there was right, some right. conversation about that, and yeah, a lot of conversation about panim al panim. We thought we heard that Moses couldn't see God face to face, and here it is that right. he, that he saw God face to face. So, how literally uh, or metaphorically mm-hmm. um, should we take that? Most most of the kushia were on um, that first verse, which yeah. is fun because I found most of my stuff on the last verse, so yeah. it's always interesting. Um, Rebecca had in not rabbi shots. Uh, <laughs> Rebecca had made the point that in verse eleven, when it's talking about. 
Pharaoh in Egypt, it seems to be framed in the more positive, but then like the oh, strength right. and the fear um, in verse 12 mm-hmm. for the Israelites are, are more, if not negative, mm-hmm. uh, a little less, hooray, signs and wonders, and a more strength and fear, and so she thought that was interesting, and mm-hmm. I think it would be um, uh, inverted. Um, and there was also a lot of uh, wind and uh, zoom botting and fire alarms happening. So okay. I think... Uh, one one question that I don't think was asked, um, though if it was and you are listening to this podcast after also being in the class with us, please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but Why it is would somebody inter- do that? But it is interesting. Well, this is basically a different class. That's <laughs> true. Um, so it is interesting that in the last verse it says... That those are the two things, right? The yad hachazaka, which, as we know, very much comes comes out in kind of the physicality of God and the physical um, efforts or or activities, even that God did with and for the people, like the splitting of the Red Sea, for example, and then hamora hagadol is much more kind of how we experience God. Now, right, it's interesting that, that so much of it is, if we were going to split the Torah, um, that it's interesting that Hayat HaChazaka seems to be a little bit more like the Genesis Exodus God, and then Morah HaGadol seems to be kind of Leviticus through Deuteronomy in terms of like the Yirah factor, right? Like there's no God walking amongst, amongst us, but... Um, but rather something we, that we can, we... can we host a game show called the Yerafa? <laughs> sure. Something that we um, that we fear or that we revere more so as just a, a an, an all-known being um, and not a character living in our lives. It's, it's interesting that, that you divide them up that way. I, I saw in a couple of commentaries, it seems like, I didn't see where the exact genesis of this thought is, but like the Torah HaRoch made this comment and a couple of other commentators did as well, that the Yad HaZakah refers to the red, like the splitting right, of the right. sea, and the Moragadol refers to uh, what happened at Sinai. Right, right. Which, which also, yeah, yeah, yeah. both Exodus, but also yeah. makes sense in terms of the understanding, right? Like So maybe the, that's the split. Right. right, like maybe one is kind of the people interacting with God before they were really a people, and then once the element of uh, of like communal gather, like like the thing that you would come that you would come together around, which is the Torah, um, that that becomes when when that changes for us. Yeah, well, and also Yad Chazakat is something more fit, right? Splitting of the sea is a very tangible yeah. physical thing, mm-hmm. depending on how you understand it. Giving of Torah, tablets, right. voices, silence, right. whatever you know. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever you like, but but it is not as physical as actually you know splitting a, a fairly large body of water. Right. Correct. Yes. Um, the, the one piece I remember offering in response to the like the prophecy piece mm-hmm. and the idea of Moses, like they're never again being a prophet like Moses for Israel mm-hmm. is um, a couple of commentators also talk about how actually Bilam, who we saw a book and a half ago, um was a prophet on the level of Moshe, and people talk about sort of what what differentiates them. Um, and the Kedushat Levi talks about how let's read it. He says the greatest difference. I, I, sorry for the visual learners. I, even though I'm showing you the pages, uh, I can show you Rabbi Shatz. You Thank can, you. You can. Do you want to no, read okay. over my shoulder? No, I'll listen. To Are you. we good? Yeah. Okay. 
he says the greatest difference between them uh, visible to all is that Moses during all of his life employed his gift of prophecy beneficially at all times. Mm. He put his own life at risk on behalf of his people when trying to save them from God's justifiable anger at them. Bilam used his gift in exactly the opposite manner as his accomplishments were achieved by invoking curses. Um, he, he, go, he goes on more, but basically the big, uh, the, the big differentiation that Bilam, even though he is gifted um, with this ability to sort of channel or prophesize um, just as much like his, 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 his prophetic rating was also at a 100, just like Moses, but it's not just, you know, what, what are the talents or skills you have? It's also how do you utilize them and do you use them? Uh, for for good in the world and, mm-hmm. and how do you do that? Uh, as the rabbis say, with great power comes great responsibility. Mm. Or that's from Spider Man. Yeah, one or the other. Um, but it's an interesting Rabbi point. Spider Man. What? Rabbi Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that that was interesting. It speaks to uh, the prophecy. Right. It also speaks to the to the idea because Bilam is not. I mean, we don't know what came first and what came after in the Torah, but but in terms of reading our Torah, Bilam does not come after Moshe. Right, 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 right. Right, like there's no, so it's it's interesting that that it was a subsequent. Like, could it mean that after Moses's time, in which Bilam would be included into, right, that 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 there was not another, or could it be like literally after Moshe's um, Moshe himself, not just his era, but his his death, which is I hadn't thought about that. Um, and definitely was not listening when you shared that on Friday. So glad to have heard it now. You were, you were, um, you were, Zoom botting. You were find, finding out that. Yeah. I just have to say, I was really enjoying saying Zoom bot a yeah, lot. Which on was Friday. not helpful. Yeah. It, yeah. Rabbi Schatz did not find it helpful, but I was having <laughs> as, as much fun as Rabbi Schatz was not having on Friday. That's the amount of fun that, that I, I was having. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good, that's a good I was quite tickled by the whole situation. Yeah. Um, one thing that I found about the Panima Panim piece, uh, actually a few pieces and I'll just kind of clump them together, but Rashi says, uh, that, that God was actually, or sorry, that Moshe was actually familiar with God, um, and that he could talk to him anytime, right? And that's, it's a really interesting relational piece because there are certain people even within our own institution, that that we know we can just walk in any time. <laughs> Probably Shapiro knows this better than anybody. Can just walk in any time, and there's a certain familiarity of like, no, I'm in a meeting. Don't talk to me now. Or okay, sure, I have time for you. Whereas there are other people in the institution for which we would never do that, and we would always knock on their door, or we would always make sure that we set up a meeting with them beforehand, or what whatever. Was that phrase you just said, knock. On- knock on their door. Yeah, it's we can practice it afterwards. Um, but that, I, I do think that's a very, it's not a way in which we typically think about familiarity with people because we're not, we're not in relationship with people only through the kind of the confine of an office. Um, and when we see people out in the world in modern day, we often are inviting them to come to us or happen upon them in such a way that if it's a time and space that we can show them attention, we do. It's, it's very rare, though in Israel, I guess it's more common to just kind of show up <laughs> and be somewhere um, and be received. And yet the way in which you would do that would be very different 
for one person than for another, depending on right. your relationship. And so the God, the God Moshe piece in terms of that familiarity, I think is such a beautiful, a beautiful way of thinking about God and Moshe's relationship. Well, and, I mean, yeah. isn't, but isn't that also presumably like what we try to do through whatever spiritual practice we engage? Like if you think about davening or sure, yeah, whatever yeah. your spiritual yeah, yeah. practice of choice is, yeah. but then flipping that around, is it, you know, does it mean that when the rest of us try to do that, we can't have that access because it's because there is no one else like Moshe? Like, is it aspirational? Oh, right? The idea of being able to talk with God whenever you want, is mm-hmm. it that God might be listening but not talking back? Mm-hmm. Or you only get that sometimes, right? It's, it is an interesting point because when you think, or when I think rather about um, spiritual practice in whatever form, there is the the hope of attaining some kind of point of contact with the divine, um, which, I mean, you know, to, to offer up our, our teacher, Rabbi Dorf's metaphor, right, you, mm-hmm. you, just because you go up to the plate, you don't hit a home run every time, right? right? right. Sometimes you strike out, sometimes you hit a single. Once in a while, you might really get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's it. And the other thing I'll say in terms of the talking at any time is that I think that reads very differently in, like, certainly a pre-telephone time, let alone a pre-iPhone time, right? That, you know, talk to to somebody any time, I feel like, is a very different construct 3,000 years ago, right? Right. Talk to anybody any time, like, what's the big deal? I pick up my phone, I can call people, text people, FaceTime them. We're all in constant communication. It's not that you have a supercomputer in your pocket that you can immediately be in contact (laughs) with anyone you've ever met on the planet, right? It's very different in a, you know... Where you would re- you would have to if it wasn't someone who you saw all that often, how would you communicate with that person? Right. You could really locate them. It's very different. Uh, right. And I and and interesting that when we even think back, like my grandparents always talk about how they used to have to schedule times to go to a phone, and because they right, knew that right, the right, operator right. would right. Like there were there was so there was so much um, and they coordination. Phone, right. That was, still, that was still in heaven. There was a phone. Correct, correct. Yeah. But there was there was coordination, whereas it seems like... I think the thing for me that feels like the most intimate, I guess, is that um, God and Moshe didn't need any coordination. Right? right. Like, they didn't, right. Need, they didn't need to figure out when are you going to come over, at what time, what are we going to be doing, right? It, it was much more like... They didn't need to say, shoot me a text when you're on the way over, I'll give you the address. Or exactly. Right. They would just show up, and, and it was... And I don't think it was just a they. Moshe would just show up, and God would receive Moshe um, in such a way that it was... And I think... Not to stay on this for too long because it's definitely not what we spent the most time on in our class, but that's okay. Um, that was, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe if we yeah. had spent more time on this during our class, the fire alarm wouldn't have gone. Maybe, off. but the, there was also a theory suggested that the reason things were going so badly on Fridays because <laughs> we're ending the class and the universe was trying to tell us don't end the class, don't end. But we're not the really class. ending the class; we're just ending this class. Um, the we're not the the um the other thing I think that this brings up is like mentorship, right? That um I'll just use Rabbi Klipel as an example because I often use him as an example. Um, if Rabbi Klipel is on a day off, but I need help with a sermon or with a pastoral moment, I know that that is something that as a mentor whether or not I'm working with him as the assistant rabbi of Temple Beth Am, I know that as a mentor, he's willing to have time and space for me to do that. 
Whereas if I call someone else for whom I might be able to get advice as well, I wouldn't necessarily even think to do that if I know that they are in a place where they're either on vacation or on a day off or just in, you know, not, not available to me. So I think that's also this piece of motion, God of motion knew that God was there to kind of support and help him grow and um, cater to him. And so there was that element of like, my door is always open kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Even when my door is closed to everybody else, my door is always open for you. Um, so that that's just another another piece. Um, do you want to go into the other piece of Torah that you share that will get us to the last piece? I got I a whole. Wanna, I don't want to give anything away. I got a whole. Oh, we don't want spoil. We don't want spoilers. No spoilers. The, spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, a lot of the stuff that I think the rest of it had at the very, very, very end. Right. I mean, that's, that's what, what, that's that's what, what Rabbi Shatz is leading you to. Yeah. So, so a, a couple of different. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of cluster them all together, and then Rabbi Shantz will close us out with great strength and sure. might and signs and wonders. Oh, interesting. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, a lot of folks talk about how how the Torah like ends and then begins again. Um, so one one teacher points out how the the last letter of the Torah is Alamed. Uh, and he points out that because it is the it is the tallest letter, mm-hmm. Lamed is the tallest. Is that true? Lamed? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, drawing them all out in my head as we're talking. I don't think anything else could be taller because it. Anyway, it's a tallest letter. Mm-hmm. Um, and he makes the point that that's because learning Torah and doing mitzvot make make you live your life in an elevated way. It's an elevated way of being, which I think mm-hmm. is a. It's a lovely drosh. Nice. I don't yeah. know that it's shot necessarily. That, Definitely not. Yeah, but it's a lovely, uh, the lovely drosh. Um, two rabbis, Rabbi Noah Lifshitz, makes the point that um, the Torah ends the way it does. That um, kol, uh, that Asher Asam Moshe kol Yisrael Reishit Bara Elohim. That the the last verse is actually connected to the first verse. That all of the Torah is so that. Israel will see that in the beginning God created, like right? That. that there's there's a creator yeah. and order to the universe. It's also how we read it, right? Like on Sivrat Torah, that is how right. we read it. We read it as a continuation, right. as opposed to as opposed to two steps. Like we don't wait for another week for us to read. I mean, I guess we read Vizot Bracha this past Shabbos Minchan. We will read Breishit next Shabbat, but we also kind of combine them on Sivrat Torah to be. I once heard, by the have you ever heard this? I once heard that. When you finish reading the Torah, yeah. you're supposed to like hold your breath until you start over. Have you ever heard that? No. Somewhere somehow we picked that up that that when you it's appropriate just when Rabbi Shant was talking about going in and out of offices that the inimitable Susan Emmett's unlocked the door. <laughs> That's the level of familiarity to see each other face to face. That we have around here at the Temple Beth Am admin offices. Indeed. Um, yeah, somehow I heard that you're supposed to like, like, go, literally from one breath, like in the same breath to go from. Oh, the interesting. End, uh, into the I beginning. mean, it makes sense, especially with this um, this drosh that you're also right, sharing. Yeah. Right, and then there's a, a sort of similarly, on more of like a personal level, Rebara from uh, Mitzibus where I know Rabbi Shantz likes to vacation in her free time. Mm, um, yeah. In connecting the end to the beginning, talks about how, how when we look to the Torah, 
uh, we renew creation each day, which is which is a, yeah. a nice idea. So lots lots of drashot sort of pulling together mm -hmm. this this sense of of how do we end the Torah and then go into the beginning and, mm -hmm. and what what can we learn from that connection? The last piece I'll say to that. Wait, can I just say something about the creation piece really quickly? You can say whatever you like. Uh, and this you can past say it as slowly as you like. This past Shabbos, I was teaching um, a class that I've taught here before a few times, so even if you weren't at Shabbos Mincha, um, you've probably heard me talk about it. I was just, not at Shabbos Mincha. But you've heard me talk about it. So that Kohelet, um, the like couplet part of Kohelet in chapter 3, is talking all about a time for living, a time for dying, a time for growing, a time for, sorry, a time for planning, a time for uprooting, all of these different things. And one of the things that I did when I was learning in Israel was um, was connected to different pieces of Torah um, that take us kind of from from Breshi, from the beginning of creation all the way through to uh, when Joshua enters the land, similar to the point that you just made, which is when we approach when we approach the Torah, that we should be doing it in such a way that we constantly see new things in it, right? That we can, even with Kohelet, which, which is, is a thing... Which is funny, because you've taught that piece before. No, I know, but when we're reading <laughs> Kohelet, the idea that you that you take something that is all about um, kind of the spectrums of life, that you should be able to see within, the, see within it, sorry, the stories that kind of bridge those two gaps. Robert yeah. Clickfeld says yeah. something very beautiful at Shabbos Mincha about how it's it's one side and the other side, but you don't get any of the in-between. You get planting and uprooting, but you don't get the growing. So the idea that the different stories of the Torah can kind of be the middle pieces, and to Rabbi Shapiro's point, that you know the, the element of seeing the creation story be... Um, kind of sprinkled throughout the Torah as a way of us being able to create whether it's drashot or meaning or understanding or, you know, kind of insert your own word there, that that is a really beautiful way of just thinking about Torah in general and something that actually I think we've done a lot of this past year in this class, so. Woo! Sorry, I, I you had a last point, and then I, I want to get We're going to do the love. Oh, good, great. But Go you ahead. Love, but you want so the last piece um, that Rav Shapiro was going to share is that the last letter of the whole There's Torah. There's a last, last piece. The last, last. Oh, that's no, true. I have yes, a last, we last. have a last, last this piece. This is the last. This is the penultimate. Yes! Yes, Rav Shapiro. Rav Shapiro likes I'm that word. Rav probably also likes that word, but... Um, Do you know what Rav Shapiro last, uh, last week used the word... Um, what was it? He used, a, he used a, a great word last week. I'm forgetting what it was. Very potent. No, not clarify. He always uses clarify. So the last oh, letter of insouciance. Okay, the last letter of the Torah is Lamed, and the first letter of the Torah is Bet. And together, especially if you read them actually one right after the other, together they create the word Lev, which means heart. Um, and uh, and I shared in class on Friday that one of the one of the things that I often think about when using those two letters to create a drash out of these two sections of Torah, bringing them together, is that there is something really important about intentionality and love and connection, um, especially from Moshe's leadership into the rest of our story, that without Moshe, we probably wouldn't even have the creation story written down in such a way that we were then reading Torah. Um, so the idea that Moshe's leadership, with all the heart that he put into it and all of the... Um, really like humanity that he showed throughout his leadership that 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 heart piece that lev 
gets to then bring us back to another year of learning Torah. Gotta have heart. Miles and miles and miles and Okay, we're not going to sing all of Jam Yankees. Do you want to do the last piece? That I would the, love That was the penultimate. This is the, this is the ultimate. Ultimate. <laughs> ultimate Torah. That would be a good podcast. It is actually one of my favorite pieces of Torah, so it is ultimate. Oh, I thought you were going to say one of your favorite podcasts. <laughs> no. Ultimate Torah. Um, so the, the last, oh, also going in the other direction that the first word of the Torah is Breshit and the last right. word of the Torah is Yisrael. So this idea right. that the whole of the narrative of the Torah is the story of the beginning of the people of Israel, mm-hmm. which is also like, and then you like expand it out to encompass all like what happens at the beginning of the people of Israel, and then you expand it out to like you know all. You all, roll out the whole Torah. Roll out the whole darn thing. Um, the very last Rashi um, on the to- uh, on in the Torah on the Torah. Okay. About the Torah. Commenting Rashi's Commenting last on the Torah. Rashi's last comment on the Torah. On the Torah. Very good. Glad we, we got, got there. Okay. Yeah. Um, is sort of the question is begged a little bit. Asher Asam Moshe Le'inei Kol Yisrael. Like what? What did Moses actually do before the eyes of the people of Israel? There isn't really a, a, a clear subject to that to that phrase or to that idea. So Rashi says this refers to the fact that his heart heart. Uh, inspired him to shatter the tablets before their eyes. So what what was it that Mos- that Moshe showed the people? He showed them how he shattered the tablets, which which is an interesting thing to sort of interpolate in the last phrase of the Torah. That this is what Rashi thinks is it should be brought or wants to to discuss. And if you think you've heard this before, you have because it comes up in the actual moments of Moshe coming down and shattering the tablets, this is in both the Talmud and, I don't know if it's Rashi, but it would make sense if it was, um, commentaries around that particular piece, this same drash, so to speak, is brought um, in that moment. Right, just that Rashi says, I mean, it goes back to Avot Rabinatan, it's a pretty old um, midrashic um, collection on Birkei Avot, um, but says that God, when Moshe broke the tablet, said, um, Yashikoch Asher Shibarta, like basically, good job that you broke the tablets, mm-hmm. that it's, it's fitting that you did this in this moment, which is in general an interesting idea that sometimes it is even praiseworthy to do something that seems to be not just like dramatic, but, but even destructive, destructive. Um, or something that might seem to be problematic is actually necessary in order for things to continue, mm-hmm. which I think is particularly interesting since it's the last Rashi on the Torah that mm-hmm. there, like this sort of lingering reminder mm-hmm. that um, this is something that as you go, like people of Israel and us here today, that as you go forward to remember that Sometimes, well, because co- to coheletize it, right? There is a time for preserving and a time for breaking, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you need to keep things very much as they are, and sometimes you need to sort of break them open a little bit in order for uh, in order for it to continue. Um, so we just wanted to. This was actually how we did end end the class, and we just wanted to bring this as a. This is a really beautiful piece of commentary, and I would call it Torah. Um, in terms of how we just learn in general, that sometimes we have to break things open. We have to dissect pieces of 
our own stories and our own understandings to really get it, to really be able to draw meaning out of it. Um, and to be able to, you know, the whole, the old cliche that you can't let the light in without a crack, right? That there is, there is an element of, Ravish, we just made a real big face. Um, the element of breaking, breaking those tablets so that they can be put back together in such a way that was meaningful for the actual people who were receiving them. And so too for us with the Parsha class that we've been able to really dissect through a lot of Torah, some of which people knew really well and some of which people, including us, had never looked at as deeply. Um, and we broke it open. And that breaking open of the different verses and the different words and the different letters um, allows us to to get to the heart of a uh, heart. Very nice. Uh, to get to the heart of the learning that we're supposed to be doing every year around the Torah. So Yasha Koach Sheshivarta, um, a real, a real beautiful year of learning with Woo. everybody. Um, we do not yet know what the next iteration of a class with Rabbi Shapiro and Rabbi Schatz will be. However, this coming Friday, um, we'll, we'll try to do something, um, to. What are we going to do? We're not sure yet. But we'll try to do something so that we are continuing this learning because even though, um, even though it might seem like it's redundant, there there are elements that, as I just said, like every year it's going to be a little different. And though it might not be Parsha the same way we did Parsha this past year, um, the learning is always very fruitful. So we look forward to seeing you, hearing from you, learning with you. And uh, again, Yasha Koach for being with us on this journey. You know what's disappointing? What? I was really hoping a fire alarm was going to go off again. <laughs> but But you know what? Maybe, maybe next time. Tune in next Tune time. Tune in next time for the fire alarm of Temple Betham. Chag right. Sameach, everybody. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Betham, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Betham, Los Angeles, go to TBA. LA.org.